It's the Kim Munson Show, analyzing the most important stories. An early childhood taxing district, what on earth is that? The latest in politics and world affairs. I don't think that we should be passing legislation that is so complicated that people kind of throw up their hands and say, oh, I can't understand it. Today's current opinions and ideas. It is not fair that just because you're a big business that you get a break on this and the little guy doesn't. Is it freedom or is it force? Let's have a conversation. Indeed, let's have a conversation. Welcome to the Kim Munson Show. Thank you so much for joining us. You're each treasured, valued. You have purpose today. Strive for excellence. Take care of your heart, your soul, your mind, and your body. My friends, we were made for this moment. And thank you to the team that I work with. That's producer Steve, Zach, Patty, Keith, Charlie, Jen, Echo, all the people here at Crawford Broadcasting. Happy Friday to you, producer Steve. You know, the way the weeks fly by anymore, I have to double-check the automation to have make sure it tells me what day it is because i lose track <laughs> uh it uh yes the days are full because there's so much to do i i thought a lot about my interview with major general joe um joe arbuckle yesterday when he said that america is probably in the most dangerous spot that we have been in since 1775 kind of takes your breath away when you really think about it and that's why when i say my friends we were made for this moment. Uh, I don't know what we'll each be asked to do. We're in this battle of ideas right now. This election is so important. And uh, I really do believe that there will be a red wave if we have free, fair, honest, and transparent elections. Uh, but uh, I think that there's all kinds of efforts to, to dilute your vote. Uh, and yesterday, Steve, we talked about that uh, Supreme Court decision regarding Pennsylvania, your home state, where the Supreme Court ruled that uh, that they could not count um, ballots that were uh, not dated properly or did not have a date on it. It's like, duh, of course. I mean, you, we would hope that every county clerk would be working for to make sure that these elections um, don't have that kind of funny stuff going on. And, um, and, and you have to question the party that seems to be pushing for this stuff and and when you have votes that are not legal votes that they haven't done done everything they needed to be done that they're not legal votes that dilutes that dilutes people's real votes and people we need to understand that steve well regarding that story from pennsylvania you want to say you needed the supreme court to tell you that exactly exactly uh, so on that, uh, so I do think there will be a red wave because you look at these terrible policies and what they're doing to the American people. And this is not incompetence. This is by design. And it's trying to take down the American middle class. And that is why everybody comes to America is to have to be able to go after their hopes and dreams. Well, <laughs> I guess there are people that are coming across coming to America now for free stuff. And if you're coming here for free stuff or if you're coming here to hurt us, then we need to have a secure border to keep them out, Steve. Well, I was thinking on the way in, you you want to keep your feet on the ground here because there's more and more of this rumble about big red wave and, and what we're going to do to the, you know, the, to the leftist side of the uh, uh, of our system. But I'm thinking, OK, everybody in the country certainly has a vested interest in what's going on here and in the outcome. But I'm also hoping for a repudiation of the people like George Soros or uh, Klaus Schwab, these people who seem to be 
steering, uh, you know, using all their influence, everything they can throw at us to push in a different system of, of governance here in this country. And I'm thinking, let's keep our eyes on that part of it, too. Um, yes, we, w- we most definitely will. And then once these uh, people do get into office, uh, and it'll be a great segue in, into our quotes. So I'll talk about that in just a minute. All right. Check out our website. That is Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N dot com. And uh, you can email me at Kim at Kim Munson dot com as well. I thank all of you who support us. And uh, sign up for the weekly email newsletter. You get all kinds of great information. It's uh, our upcoming guests as well as our most recent essays, podcasts. The Voter's Guide is there. And uh, there are people that are, are starting to vote now that, that are waiting to the last minute. We do recommend that you wait until Tuesday to submit your vote um, or your ballot. Uh, but anyway, the, the Voter's Guide is there, and uh, people have said that it's been a great tool. And I love it. It's not like a rubber stamp. People have called me and reached out and said, I see this differently. What do you think? It makes me think, rethink things. And I greatly appreciate that because that's what it's really supposed to be like, an informed voter who makes their decision instead of an influenced voter who is just responding to all of these TV ads and these mailers and vote, 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 vote. And uh, so there is this responsibility in voting. And um, people have said that it's been a really great tool, Steve. Well, I think I've mentioned this before in that newspaper that lands in our driveways, your driveway, my driveway. Uh, one of the chief editors wrote a great piece um, regarding the uh, audacity in, in, in uh, media or electronic media uh, political co- ads, commercials, and they're so flagrantly uh, half true or not true at all. And I'm thinking the value of the voter's guide is to combat, push back on that, to saying the people who write those ads, the actual writers, they're dependent on people not really not knowing what's going on. Right. And that's why we do the show is to help you get your brain around these issues. Uh, so be sure and check out our website. I'm so excited about our America's Veterans Stories this weekend with Don Morrison. He's 97 years old, Lyman, Colorado. He was um, flew on B-17s. He still goes to work every day, Steve. I mean, he's a pretty remarkable guy. <laughs> and you can hear his story 3 to 4 p.m. on Sunday. So highly recommend that you check that out as well. Decided to go with Maggie, Fat- Maggie Thatcher for our quote of the day. And I think it's so appropriate as we come into this election. For much too long, we have voted and then gone back to our regular life, thinking the people that we had elected had our best interest in mind. And when we see what's happening on the national level with the radical activists that have taken over the Democrat Party, and we, we must, centrist Democrats, moderate Democrats, unaffiliateds, libertarians, Republicans, conservatives, cannot vote for these Democrats that are on the ballot right now across the board. They may look nice, but their policies are not nice. And um, But we must be vigilant because we certainly have Republicans that get into office, and they like big government as well. They just like to be able to to have their side of big government, and so we have to be vigilant. So this is an excellent quote from Maggie Thatcher. She was Prime Minister of the United Kingdom from from 1979 to 1990 and a leader of the Conservative Party from 1975 to 1990. She was the first female British Prime Minister and the longest-serving British Prime Minister of the 20th century. She was born in 1925. She died in 2013. And she said this, 
the price of freedom is still and always will be eternal vigilance. And she pretty well nails it there, producer Steve. Well, what they call her, I guess it was the Soviet Union people, um, officials dubbed her the Iron Lady. Yes. Yeah, well, they. <laughs> we know why. <laughs> uh, most definitely. Uh, lots on the headlines, but Steve, you saw one that I think is important. And this is from um, Fox News. Yes, it is, Fox. And uh, the title is Trinity College Students Respond to Removal of Blue Line Flag. They had BLM flags. Why don't we put up some? And these are two students, Finn McColl and Lucas Turco. And it says they posted a viral video of an alleged unidentified faculty member removing a thin blue line flag, which is the, the, the flag that is honoring our, our um, police, and an American flag emblazoned with the Gadsden symbol uh, resurrected by the ubiquity of, by the Tea Party. And they joined Jesse Waters' prime time to react to the incident. Uh, they said that they'd noticed other students, I love this word, festooning. I haven't heard that word in a long time, festooning. <laughs> uh, LG, LGBTQ uh, pride and Black Lives Matter flags. So they wanted to present their own symbol of, a pers- of personal self-expression. But their particular viewpoint wasn't welcomed the same way. Turco said despite the woman reported to be a university employee claiming hanging flags in such a matter was a safety concern, the woman refused to take the same tact when asked about a nearby LGBTQ flag. They said, we believe everyone has a right to their own opinion and their own beliefs and that everyone should be able to put their flags up. So we thought, why don't we put some flags up that we personally believe in? The university employee objected to being filmed while attempting to take custody of the flags, later saying they could be retrieved from the dean's office. My friends, we have to really start to wonder about sending these kids to these colleges, these indoctrination centers, where they now can take on a whole bunch of student loan to pay these university employees salaries that are are doing this. So we, we really have to rethink about all this government-run um, education, Steve. And you want to say, okay, uh, if that's the case, then all flags will be taken down. But that wasn't the case. Well, and this is an this is an issue that I want to take on after the election, and that is we're talking about flags, but and, sign and what, sign ordinances are a big problem as well. And I know that uh, um, Marla Fernandez has been she's been questioning this from a free speech standpoint, and I think that's something we'll have to talk about after the election, Steve. And what is a flag? It's a representation of an idea. Good point. And this school is saying, well, there are certain ideas that just aren't welcome here. And I'm thinking, you know, what is Elon Musk getting blasted by right now and the way he's handling his management of Twitter? I mean, what drew him to Twitter in the first place was the suppression of speech, the suppression of ideas. Mm -hmm. And, okay, that's what drew him to it. And he went out and he did something about it. Now he's being sued for the way he's going to manage the takeover. I guess he's, you know, letting quite a few employees go. But it's his company. And the whole idea is this suppression of ideas is, you know, freedom of free um, freedom of speech. It's it's one of our founding, you know, most hallowed foundation, foundational blocks. Yeah, it's like in the First Amendment, right? Yes. <laughs> so this suppression of ideas, whether it's Elon Musk or these these two guys in uh, at Trinity College in Hartford, Connecticut, what's. What's going on here? Well, what happens is if you have a really bad idea 
and it can't stand on its merits, then the only way to make that idea stand up is to suppress and tear down the other ideas. And so as we think about this from a reasonable, rational standpoint, if that is the ideas that are being pushed forward, for example, at this college, if they have to tear down the other ideas and and suppress people from hearing it, then you, you must realize that that is a very, very bad idea. And the fact that the founders with the First Amendment have freedom of speech, freedom of religion there, I mean, that is very telling. They were They were so wise. And, of course, they've been... There's been an attack on them for quite some time as well uh, in our education system. And then not teaching what. um, Oh, we did the interview with Al Jennings yesterday, World War II veteran that that will uh, broadcast here in a couple of weeks. And I thought about this after he said we used to go to schools to talk about our experiences. He was at the Battle of Iwo Jima, which is one of the most famous Marine battles uh, in the Marine Corps. And he said, and there was a new principle, and we weren't welcome anymore. It's like honest to Pete. You have history that could be right here in front of you telling kids the actual history, and they're not welcome. And so positive thing about COVID is the reaction to it is it has shed light on so much. And uh, we as Americans, we realize there's a lot at stake. There's all kinds of grassroots groups that are stepping forward. We're at a a very interesting time, a very dangerous time, but we are Americans and we will step into this uh, <laughs> figuratively <laughs> and um, the divine provider. We must focus on the divine provider. So let's go to break. Um, before we do that, though, Hooters Restaurants is a great sponsor of both the shows. And it is a super interesting story about freedom, free markets, and capitalism. And I'm just trying to look at this. I was talking to somebody yesterday, and apparently, you know, Bon Jovi, uh, apparently he came out and said after, you know, all of this socialist stuff that he has has looked at, you know, supported all these years, uh, supposedly he said that actually he's realized that capitalism is the thing that really brings people out of poverty. I'm trying to find the some of the images here. So we'll, we'll put that out there. But I heard it from a, a trusted source. So uh, anyway, check out my website. Um, Hooters has great uh, specials Monday through Friday for lunch and for happy hour. A great place to get together with friends. So be sure and check that out. We're going to go to break. When we come back, we'll be talking with Joni Inman. She is the executive director of Co- the Colorado Women's Alliance. And she's got a really fun event coming up and wanted to talk with her about that. So stay tuned. Three Points Financial is a fiduciary financial planning company focused on helping individuals and families. Mary Alpers and Steve Cruz at Three Points Financial specialize in investment strategies, tax planning and preparation, and retirement planning with no product sales or commissions. Tax laws have changed and will continue to change. Inflation is real. Three Points Financial helps you maneuver through these changes to achieve your financial success. For clarity and a solid, relevant financial and investment plan while working with a company that puts your interests at the forefront, schedule a no-obligation initial consultation at threepointsfinancial.com. That's threepointsfinancial.com. Abortion rights across the country are under attack. Is it really, though? Abortion is not a right. Abortion is not care. God created life and has intended for us to begin our life in the womb. Life is a protected right, and the purpose of government is to protect all lives. We cannot create a new right meant to end a life. 
They can't dictate what rights we deserve. That's not how America works. We must have the right to govern ourselves according to God. We need to keep God on top. We need to vote smart. Vote Republican. Vote for Maria Fernandez for State House District 3. She will fight for your right to stay free and protect our children. Paid for and approved by Marla Fernandez Campaign. It's Friday! It is Friday, and welcome back to the Kim Munson Show. I'm Kim Munson. Be sure and check out our website. That's Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N.com. Sign up for our weekly newsletter there. And you can email me at Kim at KimMunson.com as well. Thank you to all of you who support us. We are an independent voice. We search for truth and clarity. By looking at these issues through the lens of freedom versus force, force versus freedom. If something's a good idea, you shouldn't have to force people to do it. And um, I stand corrected. It uh, uh, America's Veteran Stories this Sunday is Joe Warman, Vietnam veteran. Another powerful story. And uh, Don Morrison's interview will be rebroadcast Sunday evening, 10 to 11 p.m. And you can hear Joe Warman's story 3 to 4 p.m. on Sunday. Powerful stories, just powerful. Uh, thrilled to have on the line with me. Uh, oh, one other thing. I wanted to let you know, I'm trying to find a headline that says Bon Jovi uh, has walked back his uh, all of his comments criticizing capitalism, and I can't find that. So I'm going to have to check with my source and see uh, where he saw that. Uh, but on the line with me is uh, Joni Inman, and she's got a really great event. We're, we're all focused on this Tuesday, but there is life after Tuesday, right, Joni Inman? Welcome to the show. She is the executive director of the Colorado Women's Alliance. Welcome, Joni. Thank you so much, Kim. Yes, it is an intense season, is it not? Oh, that it is. It and- is. And but uh, but you've got a, a really fun event. You started this what a couple of years ago or so, right? This is our third um, post-election celebration. It's called Wine and Wine Down with Women of the Airwaves, including Miss Kim Month. <laughs> it is. It's so fun. So what's it going to look like? So it, this it is fun, and it, and because it's so much fun, it's growing. So we have um, wine and food, and we have four female reporters, radio hosts, who are going to be joining us. So we have Kim, we have Mandy Connell from uh, KOA Radio, we have Sean Boyd from KCNC, and we have Deborah Flora from KNUS, um, who will come and share with the group kind of, um, you know, what, what your take was on the election, but also let's keep it a little bit light. And, and that's what makes it so popular is we get a little bit of the skinny, the behind-the-scenes stuff. You know, what were the, what were the turning points in um, the opinions of the female panel? What, was there something really outrageous? Was there something funny? Was there, um, you know, a funny call or, or something, you know, to... Um, our goal is to help people relax, have some enthusiasm for the future, no matter how the elections turn out, and just you know have a, a little bit of a joyful time. Well, I think that that's I, I love the event. It's really a lot of fun. And how can people get more information, buy tickets? How does all that work, Joni? Sure. So it's Tuesday, November fifteenth. It's always one week after the election. It's the VIP reception starts at 5.30, so people can have their photos taken with um, the four of you and, and mingle with you a little bit ahead of time. General um, admission is 6. We're at the Independence Institute. 
ticket prices are $100 for VIPs and $60 for individuals. And you can find all the details at coloradowomensalliance.org, coloradowomensalliance.org, and hit the event tab. And we'd love to have your audience members join us. Now, is it just for girls or can guys come too? I'm glad you asked. I was just about to say that it is men come to our events all the time. The smart men come to our <laughs> events all the time, right? So we do have, we have obviously a, a lot of women, but it is certainly open and we are welcome, uh, welcoming to men as well. And, and men come back year after year. They just love it as well. So we'd love to have everybody. It'll be a great time. It really and will great, be. You know, something really good, the Independence Institute. Well, it does. It is in Denver. It does have its own parking too, so that's important to know. That is super important part, uh, and there's lights uh, on that parking lot as well. Joni Inman, I mean you, you're in the thick of it here. Any predictions for oh. for Tuesday? Oh, Kim, <laughs> you're putting me on the spot, <laughs> darling. Um, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to talk a little bit more broadly than just the state of Colorado. The, the Colorado Women's Alliance is part of what's called the Women's Public Leadership Network. And um, we're, they're, the research that the Women's Public Leadership Network has done shows uh, an increase in uh, female representation um, at the national level. So we're, you know, we're looking forward to that. More uh, conservative women at the national level and then national office. Here locally in the state, um, we would certainly be so thrilled to have the first female governor of the state of Colorado. It is a tough and tight race, so Mm -hmm. we'll have to see how it goes, but Mm -hmm. uh, wouldn't that be exciting? It would be, and uh, Rick Turnquist had done an excellent uh, essay for us that uh, was published. It's, you can find it at my website uh, regarding Vote Republican. And he goes through and makes really the case for that. And I realize that there may be some candidates that uh, may, may be, uh, there's a lot of difference on on uh, the Republican side. But I think it is important to get these Republican candidates into office, and then we must stay engaged. As I, I had a Maggie Thatcher quote today, she says, the price of freedom is still and always will be eternal vigilance. And Joni, I think that for so many years, we you know, we were busy taking care of our families, our jobs, those things, and, and we would vote for people that we thought had our best interests in mind. And we're looking at this uh, here in Colorado. I mean, the radical activist Democrats have taken over both the House, the Senate, and the governor's Office and, and if people, I know that um, Jared Polis has been trying to uh, uh, make it look like he's a libertarian. When you go back and look at his record, and you look at the record of the uh, different agencies and bureaucracies, the people he's put in place there, there's nothing libertarian about him whatsoever. Uh, and um, so looking at these radical activists that have taken over the Democrat Party, I am hearing that centrist and moderate Democrats and unaffiliated you know, libertarians, uh, Republicans and conservatives are, are really looking at voting Republican because the veil is off on these radical activist Democrats, Joni. You know, I've heard the same thing, Kim, and and one of the things I'd like to bring up, and as you know, because you're a member of our advisory council, we survey uh, swing women voters across the entire state of Colorado, and by swing I mean 
those who choose not to just vote straight party line, right? They might be Democrats, they might be Republicans, they might be unaffiliated, uh, but they don't just uh, vote straight party line. And we ask them, what are the top issues of importance to you? And I will tell you that our last uh, survey, which was about 1,260 women across the state, um, the abortion, by the way, only came up about 1%. The top concerns of women voters, and we are the majority in this state, is crime and the economy and education. And by education, it's primarily uh, teacher pay and reduction of um, administration. And so what we're seeing, I think, is uh, the Democrat message is not uh, resonating as much with um, those, those, and I don't even want to say unaffiliated, but those female voters, but no matter what their party affiliation, it's not resonating with them. And so um, I do think we, you know, we have the ability to bring people back to a more common sense approach in government right now. Um, Jared Polis, uh, the commercials about that I see about less you know, less government regulation and all of those things. It's just, um, you know, it makes me laugh because it's not his record. It is not his record. And we've been paying attention uh, for for years, uh, shedding light on this. And uh, I have seen this, these different reports that it has been difficult for the Republican Party with these uh, millennial women, women with uh, high degrees of education have voted Democrat. And it looks like they are are really moving to the Republican side from at least what the surveys are saying because of crime, economy, and education. And, Joni, I can't tell you, uh, within the last mm, week, I have been at, at three different businesses that I frequent on a regular basis in the suburbs, and all three of them have wood on their, their doors where they used to have glass, which means that somebody tried to break in. And so this whole crime thing, I think people are going, wait a minute, uh, I don't like this. And, and so, as you mentioned, that's one of the number one things. And we are seeing it, and, and uh, it just breaks my heart. First of all, it breaks my heart that people feel that they have to resort to crime. And many times in difficult situations, which is, again, this is all government-induced, and, and people will resort to that. And then there's just criminals that um, because of lax policies are, are back out, out on the street as well. Um, but it's coming, it's, it's in our own backyard, and we'd like to make our neighborhoods safe. We must work to make the inner city neighborhoods safe instead of exporting crime and uh, increasing crime. So I think that's really important. Joni, what's your final thought on all this? I can't wait to see you because I know this is going to be a lot of fun on the 15th. It is, it is going to be a lot of fun. And, and before you let me go, Kim, I want to call um, your attention and your listeners to um, a post on our Facebook page for the Colorado Women's Alliance. It's a post called um, Vegas Odds Makers Say Bet the House on a GOP Landslide. And wow. it links to uh, frontpagemagazine.com. And that I think it's fascinating reading, and it talks about um, the tagline is, it's the women, stupid. You know, talk to the women. The women have, we have our hands on the um, pulse of what's going on. You are 100% correct. Crime is number one. Okay. Number 
Well, crime is number one. Um, we would love to see everybody um, November 15th at Wine and Wine Down with the Women of the Airwaves. Um, it's really fun. It's not a late night event and it's not a sit down dinner. It is, uh, we'll have some appetizers and food and wine and uh, other beverages and mingle and get to know people and have a good time. And we'd love to see everybody there. ColoradoWomen'sAlliance.org. Hit the events tab. Awesome. Thanks so much, Joni. Greatly appreciate it. And we'll see you here in a few weeks. All right. Thank you. Okay. And we're going to go to break. I am very excited to have our next guest. His his name is Jarrett Skorup, and he is with the Mackinac Center. And uh, the subject that we're going to be talking about is municipal broadband. Uh, And it's something that uh, when I was on city council back in 2012 to 2016, I was very interested in. And uh, in Douglas County, there is a question on the ballot about um, government broadband, uh, public-private partnerships, and on each of the municipalities as well. And inherently, my gut feeling is is that this is not a good idea. Um, But uh, I want to talk to Jarrett Scorp about that. And again, he is the Senior Director of Marketing Communications at the Mackinac Center for Public Policy. So we're going to go to break. And when we come back, we'll talk with Jarrett Scorp. The Metro home ownership real estate market is very tight right now. That's why Kim Munson recommends you have seasoned REMAX realtor Karen Levine on your side of the table. Karen Levine will help you navigate through the many details of your home buying experience so that you can successfully pursue your American dream. Because Karen Levine cares about property rights for each individual, she volunteers hundreds of hours to represent home ownership opportunities at the local, county, state, and national levels. If you are considering buying or selling your home, call Karen Levine today at 303-877-7516. Again, that's 303-877-7516. You'd like to get in touch with one of the sponsors of the Kim Monson Show, but you can't remember their phone contact or website information. Find a full list of advertising partners on Kim's website, kimmunson.com. That's Kim, M-O-N-S-O-N dot com. All of Kim's sponsors are an inclusive partnership with Kim and are not affiliated with or in partnership with KLZ or Crawford Broadcasting. If you would like to support the work of the Kim Munson Show and grow your business, contact Kim at her website, KimMunson.com. That's Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N dot com. It is Friday, and welcome back to the Kim Munson Show. I'm Kim Munson. Be sure to check out our website. That's Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N.com. Sign up for our weekly newsletter there. You can email me at Kim at KimMunson.com as well. Thank you to all of you who support us. We're an independent voice. We look at these issues through the lens of freedom versus force, force versus freedom. If something's a good idea, you shouldn't have to force people to do it. And uh, be sure and check out our Issues Voters Guide uh, that we did. That is at my website. Uh, And if you want the in-depth analysis, just put in your name and your email address, and Zach will get that over to you. Um, I am excited to talk with Jarrett Skorup. He is the Senior Senior Director of Marketing and Communications and the Director of the Frank Beckman Center for Journalism at the Mackinac Center for Public Policy. And I want to talk with him about government broadband. So, Jarrett Skorup, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Kim. Uh, Very excited to find you, uh, because this is an issue that is um, out here in Colorado. I served on city council 
uh, for 2012, from 2012 to 2016. And, of course, Obama was in, in the presidency at that time. And there was a real push for municipal broadband at that time. Inherently, I, th- I had concerns about it. But I wanted to talk with you about it. So first of all, uh, well, I, and also to let you know, in my county, in um, Douglas County, Colorado, there is a municipal broadband question on the ballot, as well as uh, the municipalities in Douglas County as well. And I'm recommending no votes on that. But I wanted to talk with you about it. So tell us about municipal broadband. Sure. So, um, you know, broadband, that's just high-speed Internet. Um, obviously a very important thing, um, increasingly important. Um, I think a lot of people realizing they can do jobs and there's, there's educational options and things that they can do if they have high-speed Internet. Um, so the question is, what's the best way to get this? What's the best way to provide it? And one of the things we saw beginning with the Obama administration in those early stimulus years was an attempt to get cities to start building their own, or counties to start building their own networks. And a lot of those failed. Um, most of them failed, as in they didn't meet their financial projections. A lot of them just got sold off and went bankrupt. And so that kind of went away for a while. We have the private sector providing most high-speed Internet. And then with the Biden administration and a lot of federal funds coming in, a lot of cities and counties are and states are bringing up this idea of, of building their own networks again. Um, and it's generally something that I would uh, recommend against. Well, it's really not the proper role of government. And Jared, as I looked at this, first of all, they call them public-private partnerships. So they, they pick winners and losers. They'll work with one company, but yet we do have, and I know people get frustrated with their internet providers. Um, and they're big corporations, I get that as well. But they're 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 not government. Um, when, once government gets involved in picking winners and losers, working with a particular company, and and Jared, I see risk in as much as then the, the uh, well that I, I think this could be a government takeover of the internet. I know that's a big statement. What would you say to that? I certainly think there's a lot of activists that would like that to be the case. Um, the way to think about this, from my perspective, is kind of a free market uh, conservative is what we don't want is a monopoly and uh, we don't want a government monopoly and we don't want a private sector monopoly but the private sector monopoly can really only exist if government allows it to or enforces it by entering in a specific contract with one company for example so when I talk to local officials they say well what should we do we don't I don't have good internet in my area well what do we want to do and so the number one thing I always tell municipalities is what are your local regulations that are impeding broadband um you get a lot of these rural communities especially but here in michigan i live in michigan the city of detroit they have a lot of them where it's very hard to uh run line across roadways um they have a lot of rules about who can attach to telephone wires they make it very expensive the federal government has rules about crossing railways and so a lot of that's just government rules that are in place preventing private um organizations from competing with each other and providing that service for people. So you want to foster that competition among private providers. You want to lower the barrier to investment. Um, A lot of states have extra taxes on technology equipment that they don't have on other things. Um, You don't want to go all in on one type of technology. 
you have these rural areas that could be better served by having their own private satellite dishes. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes neighbors can go in together on those things, and the federal government uh, should encourage that rather than discouraging it the way they, they do now. You mentioned about uh, there shouldn't be an area where the government uh, owns it or, or owns the whole network. I, t I try to think about this where, you know, high-speed Internet is very important. Food is very important. But the way we get food to people who don't have enough money for it is not by the government setting up and owning their own grocery store. It's by selectively subsidizing or helping the people who don't have access to it while allowing the private sector to provide those services. Okay. I, I, do, I don't like subsidizing. I just don't like that. But but I guess that's, mm. that's currently a re reality at this particular point in time. But um, that, that's probably a subject for for a different day. So, Jared, mm -hmm. the other another risk that I see, though, and you've mentioned several different things, rules and regulations. So let's think about if a city or a county gets into the broadband business through a public-private partnership. I think that that looking into the future could stifle creativity and innovation. You mentioned satellites out in mm -hmm. rural areas. So let's say, okay, government uh, has this broadband, and um, from what I can tell, there's many examples where it's not been financially uh, successful. Um, I guess, first of all, answer that question. Is, is that true? Have you seen successful models out there, or what, what does that look like with uh, – different municipalities and counties that have taken on municipal broadband? A lot of times you can be successful just by government getting out of the way, as I mentioned. Um, there are some of these rural co-ops where, like, rural communities have set up kind of uh, their own nonprofit in order to be able to kind of pool their own investment to get, you know, because if you have a subdivision that's way out away from population center, I mean, the big cost is just getting the first line out to there. After that, everybody there can kind of afford it. But they might need to set up some type of partnership where the neighbors come together to, uh, you know, you've got 40 homes or something in a subdivision in order to get that line out there. So that, that can be uh, successful and has been successful in some instances. Okay, good. Uh, I'm, I will ask you a question. I did see that you had um, a piece that was, uh, let's see, Marquette. You said Marquette should not build their own broadband. This was in the Mining mm -hmm. Journal. So tell me about that. Yeah, so what, what, the, what we're seeing here in Michigan, you know, I can't speak as much for Colorado, though Douglas County seems to be following this path, is we have these rural areas where there's no access to high-speed Internet. And that's kind of what the federal government claims they want to solve. But the problem is when they throw out so much money, the municipalities, the counties and cities that are taking advantage of it are these places that already have multiple providers of high-speed Internet. And they just want to build their own network to maybe make it a little bit cheaper. That's the bad route to go. Cities and states should prevent that. You should not allow this federal money to go to build over a network that already exists. If we're going to have all this money, which we do, we have all this federal and state money out there. It should be directed at people who really don't have access to any types of options. And so in Marquette, in Traverse City here in Michigan, in Detroit, those are the types of places that are trying to get this federal money to build their own networks. And they already have 
not just one, but multiple providers of high-speed Internet. And so, unfortunately, that means a lot of this money is just going to get wasted. So uh, so now what I'm hearing, though, is there's a lot of federal money that's being dangling in front of these. And that was what I saw when I was on city council in 2012 to 2016. Same thing uh, under the Obama administration. And I now I have to say why. And I'll leave that out there for people to say why, why, why. But the other thing about this federal money is we don't have that federal money. They've been printing it. Right. Uh, we look at our debt limits, and we need to have elected representatives that, uh, instead of going to the trough for more of this money of which we don't have, we need to have them say no to that, I think, Jared. No, I think that's exactly right. I mean, the, the, the ideal thing is that a lot of this money just gets rejected and that it's, it's not used. But that's going to be really hard for states and municipalities. They're going to say there's already, it's like the COVID stimulus money. The money's out there. Someone's going to use it. Shouldn't we be the ones to use it? And so, you know, you almost have to separate the two things where, on the one hand, this was not a good bill in the first place. We've we've been increasing high-speed Internet very rapidly year after year after year. It's spreading out to places. Um, but... Now that the money is out there, you are going to have a lot of these counties and cities that are going to say, hey, we want our piece of that money. Number one, they shouldn't use the money that's intended for COVID release or to, to help with their jobs. Or you, know, you should use that on your core government priorities. You shouldn't use it on broadband. There's a separate broadband fund of money. If you're going to do it, you should use it to clear away local regulations. You should use it to foster competition. And you should only use it for people who really don't have any access right now. That's the way I, I put it. Oh, I couldn't agree more with you, Jared Scorp. So let's go to break. I have some additional questions for you, and I'm just so excited to find you. Uh, and uh, it, 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 I, I had to do some searching to find you, and I'm just really grateful that we've gotten connected because uh, – uh, you make so much sense on this. And this is Jarrett Skorup. He is the Senior Director of Marketing and Communications and the Director of the Frank Beckman Center for Journalism at, at the Mackinac Center for Public Policy. Before we go to break, a couple of things. A week from today is Veterans Day. And so this weekend, there's a couple of things that are, are going to be happening. First of all, the USMC Memorial Foundation at 145 on Saturday will be having an, an event in honor of Veterans Day out at the Marine Memorial. Uh, which is a, it's a charity that I've adopted. They are raising money for the remodel there. And uh, you can check that out at usmcmemorialfoundation.org. And you can actually buy a brick for their walkways to honor your loved one's military service. But again, 145 on Saturday, an event to honor our veterans out at Six and Colfax. And then Solomon Martinez, and his phone number is 970-214-5260. Saturday night is uh, the Marine uh, Ball. It's uh, in celebration of their 247th birthday. Birthday, and that's up in Loveland. And uh, I imagine there might be just a few tickets left. I know they're getting uh, getting everything organized for that. But his phone number is 970-214-5260 if you would like to attend that. So we're going to go to break. When we come back, we'll continue the conversation with Jarrett Skorup. Every family needs a healthcare team that has your child's best interest as the priority, and Roots Medical is proud to offer exactly that. At Roots Medical, we strive to empower and educate both parent and child about the importance of gut health, how to implement healthy changes in the home, and of course, all of the benefits that come with a fully optimized immune system. Same day and sickness appointments are available and easy to schedule. For more information, visit rootsmedical.net. That's R O O T S medical.net. Roots Medical, getting to the root of your healthcare concerns. 
Inflation is rocking our boats, especially for individuals on fixed incomes. If you are 62 years or older, mortgage specialist with Polygon Financial Group, Lauren Levy, can help you navigate this inflation squeeze with a reverse mortgage. Additionally, if you are considering buying a new home, refinancing your existing home, or consolidating high interest debt, it's not too late to lock in an interest rate before interest rates increase again. Don't wait. Kim Munson recommends you call Lauren Levy today at 303-880-8881 for a no-cost consultation. That's Lauren Levy at 303-880-8881. The ability to protect and defend yourself is your right. Having the knowledge and skills to protect yourself the correct and safe way is essential. At Franktown Firearms, they will equip you with both the tools and the skills. The team at Franktown wants you to learn how to build your confidence and improve your skills with the help of their trained experts. They will take the time to make sure you choose the right gun for you and teach you the necessary skills to carry it safely and securely. This holiday season, consider giving your loved one a firearm training course at Franktown Firearms. They offer one-on-one training or group classes, depending on your comfort level and skill. You will find they are fully stocked with guns and ammunition at or below MSRP. You can be assured that you are providing a gift that will truly keep on giving and let your loved ones exercise their freedoms and rights safely and confidently. Visit klzradio.com slash franktown today to give the gift of freedom. That's klzradio.com slash franktown. Franktown Firearms, where friends are made. Americans Veteran Stories with Kim Munson, Sunday afternoons at 3, here on KLZ 560 AM and KLZ 100.7. It's it is Friday, and welcome back to the Kim Munson Show. Be sure and check out our website. That's Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N.com. Sign up for our weekly newsletter, and you can email me at Kim at KimMunson.com as well. And uh, for those of you whose friends and relatives are just starting to think about their ballot, uh, you might uh, guide them to our voter's guide on the 11 statewide issues as well as some of the local issues. Uh, one of those or two of those is uh, that I t- uh, recommend a no vote on is government-owned broadband or working through public-private partnerships, which is picking winners and losers. Um, and uh, so I do recommend a, a no on that, but hopefully that is a great tool for you to become an informed voter, and you can find that at Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N.com. And uh, thrilled to have on the line with me Jarrett Skorup. He's the Senior Director of Marketing and Communications and the Director of the Frank Beckman Center for Journalism at the Mackinac Center for Public Policy. Jarrett, before we get back into the subject, uh, so you are the um, uh, with the Center for Journalism. Uh, journalism are uh, there's been a lot of questions about journalism schools and the journalists that have been graduating from that. What's going on at the the Mackinac Center? So we are uh, economic think tank, but we have a journalism arm um, called Michigan Capital Confidential. So we hire journalists. It's been around for about 10 years, and um, we have our, our senior editor, editor, a guy named James David Dixon, who was at the Detroit News for a long time. Um, so he runs the program there with a couple other staffers, and then we run a fellowship program um, for students, so along those lines. Um, I think James is advice to them is generally don't go to journalism school. That's the best way to not be a good journalist. <laughs> um, but yeah, he run, we run a summer training program for 
journalists through the summer and teach them how to kind of do what we would call real journalism, investigative journalism, holding government accountable. Um, and that's one of the things under the Frank Beckman Center here in Michigan. Well, that's pretty pretty exciting. I know the Mackinac Center does such great work. Uh, let's move back over here to government broadband. And many times they do this under the guise of public-private partnerships. And I've done a lot of research on public-private partnerships. And, and basically what I see is uh, government picking winners and losers, a company that they work with. Um, and I think there's danger because it could start to um, stifle competition. Your thoughts, Jared? Yeah. So, I mean, the, there are some services where, you know, the government is, you know, it might be a government function like creating roads or um, something along those lines or waterways where like, okay, we got to build this road. Well, let's put out a bid for private companies to come in and have a fair bidding process over who gets that. That mm-hmm. makes sense. That's what we want them doing. The problem in broadband and these areas of what, uh, I don't even know if I can use this anymore, but I, I, we call it the uh, yellow pages test. Um, so for those that remember, we had the yellow pages, and we would say, if you can find it in the yellow pages, the government shouldn't be doing it, because there's obviously already multiple companies that do it. Broadband kind of, Internet falls under that. A lot of services fall under that. And what you have is you have these private entities uh, which you might know being somebody that, that served in elected government, and they will lobby to build or deliver some service, and the government will select them to do that service. Right. And unfortunately, that's what a lot of these private uh, public partnerships have become. And there's a huge industry of groups out there um, in the broadband sphere that will say, let us come in, we'll do a study for you, we'll tell you what you're going to need, we'll help uh, subcontract out, uh, who's going to build this, um, and you just get they miss projections and they waste a lot of taxpayer money on those and just perpetuates itself. And they do this also under the guise of the uh, government entity then making money as well, correct? Exactly. That's exactly right. So let's think about this. So you have the regulators who make the rules and the regulations, government, uh, getting in bed with a, uh, a private company, uh, and they come together, and they're, they've b- put, built a product, whatever the product is. Government is making revenue off of it. And then there's a better idea out there. Somebody comes up with a better widget, and uh, yet the regulators then have the power on whether or not that widget can come into their municipality. And that's one of the things that I thought was of, it was of great concern to me, Jarrett. What do you think? Yes, that's right, and and in and that's one of the things in this in this field of the internet of that people don't get. There's a lot of ways to deliver what we care about, which is high speed internet to your home, but the government will get really focused in on one, which is we we need to hire a company to dig trenches and lay lines to everyone's homes. But what if you could deliver it through satellite? What if you could deliver it through someone's cell phone? You could do it a lot cheaper, but they've essentially blocked that because. You know, Douglas County is focused on we want to get permission to do this process that's going to take 20 or 25 years, and we're going to run a broadband network. And they're going to block out their their competition. In economics, we call this regulatory capture, where you have a couple of private companies. They capture the government. They work together, and they use it to block out their competition. And it, it means we don't get a lot of efficiency. We don't get whatever the next thing technologically that's going to come along. Mm-hmm. 
And so that's, uh, you say it more eloquently than I, I did, but uh, that is why I am recommending a no vote on that. The other thing about it, though, Jared, is what we saw through COVID is that if government is involved in it, and we even saw it, well, through um, coercion through through uh, bureaucracies, which are unelected and unaccountable, which is why I'm against the, I'll just make a quick plug here, that is why I'm recommending a no vote on this healthy school meals for all children. First of all, it's not for all children. It creates four new bureaucracies that live off the taxpayer that uh, is unaccountable and unelected. And then the affordable housing one as well, uh, and that's a no vote also because you can say affordable housing once, it's subsidized housing. And again, government has gotten involved and made housing more expensive, and then they want to come in and subsidize. So that was just a, a plug over there for these bureaucracies. We've got to start to walk this back with government and and big business getting in bed together. And I like your I like your quote or your or your thought here. If you can find it in the yellow pages, then it's not government's business. I love that, Jarrett. Yes, um, and and the great economist Milton Friedman said uh, if uh, you put the federal government in charge of the hair desert, within a couple of years there'd be a shortage of sand. Um, there are things that the private sector does pretty well. Um, nothing's perfect, but it continually gets better, and then the government will get involved and make it worse. And your example of they want to build housing, then they want to subsidize housing, then they got to cap prices for housing, um, all these different areas that uh, kind of just makes a mess of something that the private sector can do. Right. And, uh, well, we've got a couple of minutes left, uh, Jarrett, and this has been really fascinating because uh, I think the other thing that I wanted to say is when the government gets involved, then it opens up the opportunity for then government to control it. And we've done pretty well with a, a free uh, Internet. Um, and I, I am concerned about that. Your thoughts on that, Jarrett? Yeah, that, and that's been a concern of some people as well, where if the government owns the network, then are they able to restrict Um, How are they able to restrict people who use that product? Um, You know, if you have, you know, you you have the Internet line, you can enter these agreements where, you know, you could put safety features in place. You know, at our family, we have young kids. We have uh, things we're preventing, um, you know, through through our wireless Internet, our kids from being able to have access to. Um, If the government has rules saying, nope, you have to have total open access, um, are those things that they can put in place because they own the lines into your home rather than a private provider where you enter those agreements kind of on your own. If I don't like it, if, if my private provider says, nope, you know, we don't want you to do that, then I have another option to go to someone else. And that's kind of how competition works in the in the private sector. There are some privacy concerns um, with the government. There are some concerns over things like um, whether they would, what kind of warrant they would need or how easy would that be. Um, if they were investigating people for something through the Internet. Um, a lot of those things that are raised that because the operation of the Internet would run differently in a government-owned system versus one that's provided by private uh, companies. And, you know, a lot of times the, the companies or the government will be thinking of those things, but it's something that we really haven't tested out or wrestled with through the core system. Um, but there, there are certainly a lot of questions about it. Well, and I think I'd rather just say no instead of having to then go to the court system to try to figure this out. And that's why we need to be electing people 
from and from both sides of the aisle that are representatives of the people and have an understanding of the proper role of government. I think ultimately, Jared, that's what we're talking about is the proper role of government. Yes, that's exactly right. And and there are there are enough problems out there that uh, one thing my friends on the left often don't get on this is they think government can solve problems. Government can. There's some help that it can do on on different problems, but the more it gets into all these other areas, the less it does at its core functions. Mm-hmm. Whatever you people listeners think those core functions are, that's what you want government to focus on. Because when they get in bed with all these other areas, they just do worse and worse on the core things that they're supposed to be doing. And I think that's unfortunately been what we've seen over the years, and that was extremely exacerbated. Uh, during COVID because government tried to do every part of people's lives from, you know, whether you could go to a restaurant or not to whether school was open to how it could be open. Um, And that is one reason we had a lot of these really big problems. Excellent point. Jarrett Scorp with the Mackinac Center, thank you so much. We will get you back uh, because I've learned a lot. Thank you. Thank you, Kim. And our quote for the end of the show is Maggie Thatcher. She said, you don't win by just being against things. You only win by being for things and making your message perfectly clear. So my friends today, be grateful, read great books, think good thoughts, listen to beautiful music, communicate and listen well, live honestly and authentically, strive for high ideals, and like Superman, stand for truth, justice, and the American way. My friends, you are not alone. God bless you, and God bless America. It's the Kim Munson Show, analyzing the most important stories. An early childhood taxing district, what on earth is that? The latest in politics and world affairs. I don't think that we should be passing legislation that is so complicated that people kind of throw up their hands and say, oh, I can't understand it. Today's current opinions and ideas. It is not fair that just because you're a big business that you get a break on this and the little guy doesn't. Is it freedom or is it force? Let's have a conversation. Indeed, let's have a conversation and welcome back to the Kim Munson Show. Thank you so much for joining us. You're each treasured, valued, you have purpose. Today, strive for excellence. Take care of your heart, your soul, your mind, and your body. My friends, we were made for this moment. Uh, be sure and check out our website. That's KimMunson.com, M-O-N-S-O-N.com. You can email me at Kim at KimMunson.com. Our voter's guide is at the website. Uh, sign up for our weekly email newsletter. And thank you to all of you who support us. And I get to work with an amazing team. That is producer Steve, Zach, Patty, Keith, Charlie, Jen, Echo, all the people here at Crawford Broadcasting. It is Friday. Producer Steve. Oahu. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, and uh, we'll talk with uh, Mary Alpers at Three Points Financial here in just a little bit. And she called it on those inflation bonds that she had mentioned uh, as, a, as, a, as a great potential great uh, thing to add into your portfolio. Uh, inflation's high, but uh, they actually lowered the rate from what it was. And she had called that, what, a couple of weeks ago, Steve. So I'm going to be excited to talk with her about that. Well, a show like yours, obviously, we draw great listeners, but we also draw great sponsors who know what they're doing. Yes. Yes, we do. And and during a times like this, is this is where uh, these uh, Three Points Financial, which is uh, a fee-based financial planning firm, where where they really where you really see their value when times are difficult they take the long view they understand you and so we'll talk with her in just a minute but a couple of things first of all let's get to the quote for today and that is from maggie thatcher she's born in 1925 died in 2013 she was the um, prime minister of britain from 1979 to 1990 
And she said, the price of freedom is still and always will be eternal vigilance. So let's get to get through this election. Uh, let's elect Republicans and then be vigilant with them and have them hold true to these American conservative principles that all men are created equal with rights from God of life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. That's what we need to do, Steve. Well, you know, uh, thinking basically what you just what you just now said, wherever the outcome is of next Tuesday, and, and we you know wait to Wednesday to see the results across the board. We wait till next year. <laughs> okay. Well, all right. Yeah. Uh, but you know, if, if those people on the left who might get <clears throat> run over by a red wave, and you would say, "What did you expect? You have been taunting. You have been." Uh, making life difficult, you have been tearing down the American idea. What else did you expect in this outcome? Well, but a lot of them are acting, particularly here in Colorado, like they won't lose. Yeah. And uh, in fact, I've talked to some great candidates stepping forward to run for state house and state senate, and they're they're out there working really hard. And they're like, I don't know where my opponent is. And so that's why I I continue to say we must have free, fair, honest, and transparent elections. But two things, because we're going to get over here to Mary Alpers in just a few moments. Uh, Again, uh, let's see, our America's Veterans Stories show this uh, Sunday at 3 p.m. is with Vietnam veteran Joe Warman. And he's actually from my, uh, where I'm from, western Kansas. So it is a great interview. And uh, I had two questions out yesterday, and I received the answer to one of them. And that is, uh, can retired teachers still be part of the teachers' unions? And the answer is yes. And then I did send the question over to uh, the Douglas County School District and asked, what are the additional costs for benefits for employees? Uh, Because uh, 21% of payroll by the district goes to PARA, the Public Employment Retirement Association, uh, and then the employee puts in another 11%. um, But I'm looking at 21% for just that. Um, In the video, they had indicated that their additional costs for Medicare and Medicaid, and I'm like, oh my gosh, there's probably medical costs as well. So I sent that request over for that information to the Douglas County School District yesterday morning. I haven't heard back from them, but we'll stay on that to get that answer. Uh, so wanted to, to let you know about that. And then just very quickly, Joshua Scharf had a piece over Complete Colorado. Now we're talking about para, and I really would recommend no on all of these school tax questions because the big elephant in the room is para. But he said that, uh, he says, inflation is hitting all Coloradans hard. But there's at least one class of citizens the state legislature is looking out for, and that's retirees with public pensions. And it says bill numbers have not been assigned yet, so this is for next year. But proposed legislation is known only as Bill A, and the details have been released. At an estimated cost of $220 million per year to Colorado taxpayers, all retired members of state and local public pensions that file Colorado tax returns would get a $700 tax, $700 tax credit in both fiscal years 2023 and 2024. How does that sit with you, Producer Steve, when you're looking at this $60 million mill levy override, Douglas County forever, no sunset, and then you're seeing the legislatures looking at this in the future? As the taxpayer, when, when Maggie Thatcher says, uh, and our quote at the end of the show is that you must stand for something, 
what I'm making a stand for is for the taxpayer, for you to be able to keep your hard-earned dollars in your pocket. How do you feel about this? Uh, these two things, Steve? How does it sit with me? It, it doesn't. I just... I get more and more amazed that how many years now, uh, how many decades, three, four decades we've entered into this mode where we will constantly go to the taxpayers for more, more, more. We have no other ideas or no other methodologies of financing what we want to do. I'd love to go into it and just start looking for waste instead of just asking for more. That seems like that would be a good thing. And this this whole pair of things needs to be addressed. Uh, so we'll continue to talk about that. Thrilled to have on the line with me Mary Alpers. She is a co-owner with Steve Cruz of Three Points Financial, great sponsors of the show. Mary Alpers, happy Friday. Oh, thank you. Happy Friday to you, too. And you called it on those uh, inflation bonds. Uh, you said the yield yeah. was going to come down, and you called it. Isn't it interesting that, you know, it goes down, but um, the Fed raises interest rates? So. You know, they have to react to public policy, and they have to try to get inflation under control, and so that's their action. Um, We have to look at the bright and the dark side of that. Um, But, you know, I'm just amazed because I wrote this last night that I wanted to talk about today. It had nothing to do with that. It had to do with voting. Okay. So if you're okay with it, I'd like to talk to you about why I vote, how I vote, and how I look at it from the standpoint of a business owner, a woman, a family, um, you know, a mother, and those, and one who really cares about the financial health of our clients. Um, that sounds awesome. Take it away. Okay. All right. <laughs> um, so I think of things like, um, you know, it's really pretty simple for me. It comes down to Number one, who's on the ballot, because I don't really believe in throwing away your vote. So it may not be perfect, but I do believe that um, the ones most likely to win are the ones you should be thinking about. Um, Number two, uh, who seems to want to serve in their leadership out of a love of the country and citizens? And serving means also leaving making a small footprint from the government, i.e. low taxes, which you just mentioned this thing with para. They do, you know, you vote for something that's a ballot measure now, not knowing what is probably going to come down the line. So, yes, you're right. Who, uh, when does it end? And so who has the philosophy of a smaller footprint from the government? I like that. Um, who do I truly believe cares and desires for me and my family and my loved ones our freedom and our opportunity um, to live in safety? Safety is just huge for me. Mm-hmm. Um, if a, if a candidate, and I have clients that some live alone, some don't, I, I wonder about their safety all the time. Um, if a candidate was in my home visiting me, would she or he enjoy meeting us and be truly interested in who we really are? Or would they be looking upon us with disdain and preconceived judgment? Like I always kind of visualize what would this person be doing if we were talking in the living room right now? How would they be rea- reacting to me and my family? Um, who treasures the beauty of American cities and countrysides and wants to keep them clean and safe mm-hmm. and protect the the environment, but at the same time, not hurt the Americans and their desire for prosperity. Um, who cares the most about defending, preserving, and protecting our great land? 
who balances compassion for the less fortunate without compromising the qualities above um, and doing it from a servant standpoint, not a dictatorial standpoint, who seems to have long-term wise perspectives within their core, what are they made of, Um, who displays consistently good character and common sense, because I think we're kind of lacking some common sense. You think? And who do they play? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm just trying to be nice. And who do they place around them? Who who are their advisors? Who are around them? Um, and I don't believe anyone has all of these traits perfectly. So a final question is, you know, and it's been said before, but I, I'm going to expand it. Are we as a nation better off now than two or four or six or even eight years ago? Um, we should be. We should be better off from a governmental standpoint. And if we aren't, we have the opportunity to vote for a different direction. Um, this leads, for the first time, I strongly feel, I've always felt it somewhat, but strongly feel that this leads to voting a party line because the parties have become so opposite in view. Um, their views are so incredibly opposite right now because of the extremes on both sides that it makes it easier to think about that than maybe it used to many years ago. Mm-hmm. So that's that's kind of how I look at it. And mainly if that person was sitting here talking with me and my family, um, do I feel like I would trust them to lead? Boy, that's uh, this is a great recipe. I'm thinking that maybe next year what you should do, Mary, is put that into an essay. I think we should, I think we should publish that because I think there's just so much wisdom in that, Mary. Well, thank you. I I think about it a lot. I am interested in politics, but at the same time, um, I am really, no matter what the background of a client is, I'm very interested in them and their ability to live prosperously. And Three Points Financial's goal is to help people make the best of what they have and have it grow. And we're always having to jump and juggle around policies that are affecting it, like the interest rates and like the tax issues and the tax laws. And so it complicates things, but it does make it an exciting adventure. Well, absolutely. And people can, uh, uh, how can they set up an appointment with you? Threepointsfinancial.com. There's a contact us place to go and um, give us a little information and what you're looking for. And then we'll schedule a no obligation. They can schedule a no obligation appointment or call to um, discuss. That's awesome. That's Three Points Financial. And uh, Mary Alpers, uh, uh, certainly appreciate the sponsorship partnership with you and Steve Cruz. So we will talk to Steve next week. And, uh, of course, by that time, we'll know uh, most of the the results of the election. So have a great weekend. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Have a great weekend. Okay, thanks. Bye. Yes, and we're going to go to break. When we come back, Matt Arnold is on the line, and he is uh, he was the founder of Clear the Bench. And so many of you have been asking about these judges. And uh, we had Matt on. I, I think we, the, we need more information, and so thought it'd be great to bring him back on. And so we'll be talking about the judges on your Colorado ballot when we come back with Matt Arnold. 
The Metro home ownership real estate market is very tight right now. That's why Kim Munson recommends you have seasoned Remax realtor Karen Levine on your side of the table. Karen Levine will help you navigate through the many details of your home buying experience so that you can successfully pursue your American dream. Because Karen Levine cares about property rights for each individual, she volunteers hundreds of hours to represent home ownership opportunities at the local, county, state, and national levels. If you are considering buying or selling your home, call Karen Levine today at 303-877-7516. Again, that's 303-877-7516. Abortion rights across the country are under attack. Is it really, though? Abortion is not a right. Abortion is not care. God created life and has intended for us to begin our life in the womb. Life is a protected right, and the purpose of government is to protect all lives. We cannot create a new right meant to end a life. They can't dictate what rights we deserve. That's not how America works. We must have the right to govern ourselves according to God. We need to keep God on top. We need to vote smart, vote Republican, vote for Maria Fernandez for State House District 3. She will fight for your right to stay free and protect our children. Paid for and approved by Marla Fernandez Campaign. You'd like to get in touch with one of the sponsors of The Kim Munson Show, but you can't remember their phone contact or website information. Find a full list of advertising partners on Kim's website, KimMunson.com. That's Kim, M-O-N-S-O-N dot com. It's Friday! It is Friday. Be sure and check out my website. That's Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N dot com. We have our voter's guide there. Uh, you can email me at Kim at KimMunson.com as well. And thank you to all of you who support us. We're an independent voice. We search for truth and clarity by looking at these issues through the lens of freedom versus force, force versus freedom. If something's a good idea, you shouldn't have to force people to do it. Uh, we have Matt Arnold back with us. He is uh, the founder of Clear the Bench and uh, had for a number of election cycles really gone in depth on researching judges. He has been actually back east in law school and he's... Uh, um, uh, I, I reached out to him to ask him about these judges. And uh, so we're, we're talking higher level right now because he just really didn't have the bandwidth and, and to put together the team to really research this. But he has a lot of great advice. So, Matt Arnold, welcome back to the show. Hi, Kim. Thanks. Thanks for having me back on. Um, I continue to hear uh, from so many people regarding the judges. And... Uh, I hear recommendations. John Caldera over at Independence Institute uh, suggested sending a message and voting no on all of them. My friend Terry Goon with uh, Liberty Toastmasters is on one of the Judicial Review Commissions, and she said a lot of work goes into that and that they they try to um, get a lot of information on judges and maybe judges that might not get a good report. Many times they retire. Uh, I've heard people say if, if you vote no on all of them, then if Polis wins, then he will be selecting judges and they might be a whole bunch of younger, more activist judges. I know that's a lot to throw out there. Matt, where do you want to start to address that? <laughs> well, the uh, the Judicial Performance Commissions uh, do a lot of work, but a lot of it seems to be kind of busy work. They, they collect a lot of survey data, but don't really, uh, you know, none of that data really provides much meaningful distinction between what, um, you know, what you know about judges and what's useful for making a decision. So. 
I know you're taking your kids to school. I love that. So not yeah. a problem. <laughs> sorry, sorry about the background noise there. So it really doesn't, um, you know, it doesn't provide you very much useful substantive information to, to make any choice on judge. I mean, does it really uh, tell you anything to know how a bunch of lawyers who, by the way, these surveys, when they when they send out these surveys to the lawyers who appeared before judges, they don't actually send it out to all of the attorneys who appeared before judges. Um, you know, since finding founding the bench in Colorado a number of years ago, I've, I've been engaged in some litigation on, on the campaign finance front. I've been in front of the Colorado Supreme Court uh, a few times, a couple times, and I've been in front of the Colorado Court of Appeals multiple times. I've been in front of district uh, court judges multiple times. I have never received a survey to evaluate any of the judges who uh, presided over these cases. So there's some self-selection that happens in these in these surveys that go out. So it's already a, sort of a self-selected or a uh, you know a, a minim- minimized group of people who even weigh in on these surveys. And then, of course, the return rate is far from 100 percent. Right, and that's what so, I think Terry was really frustrated about as well. Yeah, yeah. The survey methodology is is just uh, sorry, but you know I know some some people try to put in some good work on that. It just doesn't work. It doesn't provide any useful information. And, you know, any any statistician, any actual surveyor pollster who looked at the methodology behind these would, would just throw them out. The, you know, the sampling size, um, you know, the return rate, everything just renders these surveys, you know, I'm sorry, useless. Okay, okay. Next question. Now, another another oh, thing ahead. that people have looked into is sort of as a way to uh, to evaluate what judges to vote yes or no on, of course, is what governor appointed them. Well, um, of course, we've had Democrat governors in Colorado for, for quite a while with only a couple of breaks. So it's pretty hard at this point to find judges that were not appointed by either uh, Jared Polis or John Hickenlooper. There are a few left over from uh, Owens, but... But not very many. Yeah, but there's Ritter in there as well. Point. And Ritter as well, mm-hmm, right. Mm-hmm. So there's three so, Democrats. You know, all the Supreme Court justices were, uh, at this point, were appointed by uh, Democrat governors. Mm-hmm. All of the appellate court judges, certainly all of them were appearing on the ballot this year. Again, remember, there are eight appellate court judges appearing on the ballot this year. Seven of them are new appointees of Jared Polis within the last two or three years. This is their first uh, retention. So, so for the folks who argue that, well, if you just vote out a bad judge, that'll just give the governor a, a chance to appoint another bad judge. Well, great. Rinse and repeat. Keep voting out the bad ones. Rinse and, and, and repeat. It, okay. And it keeps them from getting, uh, you know, the bad judges from getting established and, and building up sort of a, an institutional, um, you know, longevity. And also, yeah, I think with any elected office, um, what's a great Ronald Reagan quote? quote about uh, babies and politicians we, we change them regularly and for pretty much the, the same, same reason. reason yeah yeah okay then let me ask you the question matt because i talked to you about uh i think it's the amendment d where the uh, from the 18th to the new 23rd judicial district and felt that that was Correct. bookkeeping and, and i recommended a yes vote but sh- now should i have recommended a no vote in in that case or 
No, I, I would still I would still stick with the yes vote on D. Again, it's pretty much ensuring that that judges who are, who are there um, will simply do a lateral transfer. Now, you know, you can still take a look at um, you know voting the bad ones out, but you know, it doesn't make sense. I think at this point to give uh, Governor Polis a complete clean slate in appointing all of the judges in in the new 23rd from from scratch. Okay. I think there there would at least be some um some lateral transfers and, and again there are good judges on on the bench in Colorado. Uh, you know and and I wish that we had a more substantive evaluation process because it's it's always been my view that it's better to know. But I also believe that if you don't know then voting no is is a logical option. If nothing else, it does send a message to the judges that they're they're not entitled to their position, and they they have to you know work hard and, and be good judges and, and sort of uh, you know distinguish themselves in that manner. Okay, okay, that that makes sense. Now, what about uh, and you had described you know what I think we'll do, Matt, is let's go to break early so that we can have this this whole thought because you had described the system that came into Colorado. I guess we voted it in in the '60s, and when I when I say that the radical activists have been playing long ball, I've thought more and more about these these commissions that put forth these uh, judges' names to the governor. And I want to unpack that a little bit more with Matt Arnold. So let's go to break. Uh, and when we come back, we'll continue the conversation. But two things before we do that. First of all, I think there's probably a few tickets left for the Marine uh, Corps birthday ball uh, tomorrow up in Loveland. And if you want some information about that, you can uh, contact Solomon at 970-214-526. 970-214-5260. And then also tomorrow at 145 out at the Marine Memorial at 6th and Colfax, uh, Paula Sarles and her team has put together a great event in honor of Veterans Day. And uh, so I would highly recommend you join us uh, at that as well. There's information at the USMCMemorialFoundation.org. That's the USMCMemorialFoundation.org. We're going to go to break. When we come back, we'll continue the conversation with Matt Arnold, founder of Clear the Bench, regarding the judge. Stay tuned. Three Points Financial is a fiduciary financial planning company focused on helping individuals and families. Mary Alpers and Steve Cruz at Three Points Financial specialize in investment strategies, tax planning and preparation, and retirement planning with no product sales or commissions. Tax laws have changed and will continue to change. Inflation is real. Three Points Financial helps you maneuver through these changes to achieve your financial success. For clarity and a solid, relevant financial and investment plan while working with a company that puts your interests at the forefront, schedule a no-obligation initial consultation at threepointsfinancial.com. That's threepointsfinancial.com. Myra Mesco doesn't believe in fairy dusting formulas. That's why her skincare company, Botanical Rush, only formulates with powerful potencies for visible results guaranteed. Your skin is like a sponge, and it easily absorbs nutrients as well as chemical toxins. So picking the right product for everyday use is crucial to your skin's health. The all-natural, professional skincare products at Botanical Rush are free from synthetic dyes, estrogen mimickers, petrochemicals, manufactured fragrances, and parabens. Your skincare sets the tone of the day. So begin with clean formulas that are kind to your body. Myra and her team believe in using empowering nutrients at professional strength to support the skin's radiance at fair, affordable prices. Start your day with a fresh face and honest formulas from Botanical Rush. Set up a consultation with Myra Mesco to discuss your skincare needs. 
Email her at info at to schedule an appointment today and use the exclusive Kim Monson discount at botanicalrush.com, code KIM15 for a 15% discount on first-time orders. No matter how you define it, inflation is out of control. Increasing prices at the gas pump and grocery stores are hurting everyday people. All these challenges we face are preventable. Individuals must understand what is going on and who is responsible. That is why Kim Munson is bringing truth and clarity to the issues facing our families, our communities, our state, and our country. Now more than ever, it's important to support Kim's independent voice. She has the courage to research and inform you about the real issues. It's not easy, and Kim could use your help. Go to KimMunson.com to contribute. Again, help Kim by contributing at KimMunson.com. That's M-O-N-S-O-N dot com. Welcome back to the Kim Munson Show. I'm Kim Munson. Be sure and check out our website. That's Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N dot com. Sign up for our weekly newsletter there. And you can email me at Kim at Kim Munson dot com as well. Thank you to all of you who support us. We're an independent voice. We search for truth and clarity by looking at these issues through the lens of freedom versus force, force versus freedom. If something's a good idea, you shouldn't have to force people to do it. And uh, be sure and check out our voter's guide at KimMunson.com as well. Your ballots are due on Tuesday. Would highly recommend that you hold them till Tuesday. But uh, get them in then on Tuesday, obviously. Do not mail them. Do not mail them. And uh, uh, so many of you have appreciated the issues guide that we did regarding the issues on the Colorado ballot as well as some of the local issues. But all of you have been asking about judges. And uh, so I've gone to Matt Arnold. He is the founder of Clear the Bench, which um, has done a lot of great research over the years regarding judges. He's been in law school and focused on other things and so did not have the bandwidth to do that in-depth analysis this particular year. But uh, great to have him back in Colorado here to, to talk about this. So Matt Arnold. Last time you were on, you said that it was back in, I think, 1966 that the people of Colorado decided to, and I have this in air quotes, depoliticize uh, the election of judges and move it over to uh, selection by the governor, but a commission that would submit names Do I of, ju- uh, of potential judges. Do I have this all correct? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, the, the details, uh, you know, will probably make people's eyes glaze over. But, but essentially, yeah, back in 1966, the constitutional amendment was passed to change Colorado's um, system for judges from an election, which you know, many states still do. They have contested elections. Uh, the judge will campaign and, and run for office. And the concern at that time was, well, that, that makes judges far too political. It makes them more like, you know, any other uh, political office. So the thought was, well, let's take the politics out of it and let's appoint the judges, but we'll have retention elections. So every four, six, eight, or ten years, depending on the level of the judge, so county, district, uh, court of appeals, or Supreme Court, they'll have to, they still have to face the voters and, and have some chance of accountability, but it's a simple yes or no vote to keep them in office. Well, and what is so interesting about this, though, is then there's these unelected commissions. And who appoints these commissions? So the commissioners for the nom- – there are two different commissions. There's the no- judicial nominating commissions and the judicial performance review commissions. Okay. And the members are appointed by joint action of the, the uh, governor, 
the Attorney General and the Chief Justice of the Colorado Supreme Court. So it seems kind of odd that you would have um, a judge appointing the commissioners to appoint other judges, but that was thought at that point that, well, yeah, Chief Justice, they'll be a, they'll be a vote, right? Right, right, right. right. Okay, and then we have the- so, and, and the one the one thing that that is a, a good feature of the nominated commissions, and it's something that does not exist on the performance review commissions, which I think would be a, a very simple fix, is there is at least a requirement for uh, some a partisan uh, split. So you cannot nominate a judge without at least one vote from someone of a different political party or or a non-affiliate. Now, of course, in Colorado, we've had a pretty huge surge in the number of people who are officially unaffiliated with one of the major parties. And that, in fact, that's actually a plurality of the electorate at this point. But, of course, many of them uh, tend to lean one way or, or the other. They're, they're um, right. right-wing unaffiliated or left-wing unaffiliated. Mm-hmm. And so it's very easy uh, for someone who is, say, you know, very partisan activist to simply unaffiliate from a party, but, but nonetheless, you know, align with and identify with that party, but get on commissions like this and, and be officially nonpartisan, but essentially uh, in the back for one party or the other. Got it, at least it, it um, you know attempts to, to you know put some level of balance on nominating judges, so you can't just have a single party, you know, run the table. You know, I still I still like the I, I think I l- would like to go back to electing judges uh, because this is taking away really the voice of the people. And I know there's all these kind of different politics and all, but I really think that I would. Uh, I think I'd like I'd like to go back to that, but that's a subject for a different day. And, and again, Matt, I have to tell you, thank you right. for and making a constitutional amendment. Yeah, it would take. Yeah, and that would be difficult. I want to also say thank you to you making the time to do this today because we're right around the um, the election, and I know you needed to get your kids to school, and uh, so you're staying focused. I know what it's like to have have little ones in the car, so I get that. Um, so let's yeah, think of kids, but sometimes yeah. they like to <laughs> Uh, so let's say Heidi wins. So if we say no on all these judges and Polis wins, then he would select these judges, correct? But if Heidi right. wins, she would select them. But there's a little, I mean, I see a little bit of um, one arm tied behind the ba- uh, her back because of these nom- this nominating uh, commission might only present more left-leaning judges. How, what's your thoughts on that, Matt? That is a possibility. Um, again, the remedy in that, in that case is to vote them out again the next time around. And in the interim, um, it, again, if Heidi wins, she would be the one uh, to have a much more active role in appointing members of, of these commissions. The attorney general's race is also very important for that reason because, again, that's one of the other uh, two out of the three who are you know instrumental in getting people appointed to, to these nominating commissions. So, you know, those two races are, are very important for the future of, you know, the, what the, the way that the bench looks like in Colorado. Well, and I just want to make a point on that. I was shocked to find out that Cynthia Kaufman, uh, 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 who was former attorney general here in Colorado and a candidate for governor on the Republican side, 
has endorsed the Democrat candidate in this attorney general race. I'm extremely disappointed with those particular actions there, and that's probably a discussion for a different day. But this attorney general race is super important, uh, Matt Arnold. Well, absolutely. Um, and, and not just for this reason, but uh, you know, obviously the, the attorney general sort of sets the tone for much of the law, law enforcement priorities at the state level. And obviously they don't, uh, you know, they don't litigate cases. You're not going to see the attorney general in court arguing a case, except in very rare circumstances, you know, something very high profile, profile where they, they want to you know, get, get in the spotlight. But they also appoint the assistant attorneys general and the deputies in the office who are the ones in the appellate, in the appellate litigation. So that makes a difference as well. Again, the the thing we always have to remember about the executive branch offices at the top, the the, uh, the governor, the attorney general, it's not just what they do, but who they appoint mm-hmm. that is incredibly important on those offices. Mm-hmm. 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 Okay, so uh, this is where I think that I'm getting to on this, Matt Arnold, then, is a no vote uh, regarding the retention of these judges, realizing that they're there is the depending on how the governor's race works out uh, that who you know it depends on who's going to appoint them but if Heidi wins this first commission around might be somewhat uh, more to the left but then she would appoint um, a commission that that would be more in line with uh, constitutional principles or she'd have the opportunity I should say that I can't see what she would do exactly am I hearing that correctly well, and you also have to think, you know, if if the if the if the gubernatorial office changes hands, again, these nominating commissions do have to have some partisan balance. So it's not like they're completely dominated by, uh, you know, by the Democrats, for example. So again, it, it would I think encourage putting forth. Uh, nominees that might be more constitutionally oriented because they would actually have a chance to be picked. And, you know, all these things that are second and third order effects, but it, it's certainly worthwhile to, uh, you know, apply Reagan's adage and, and change change the politicians. And, you know, there are politicians in black robes. And if nothing else, send a strong message, even if they're not voted out. If the retention rates... Uh, you know, the, the yes vote slipped from the typical average around 70 to 75 percent when no one's paying attention to the around 60 percent level, which is what happened when Kudabench was in his heyday in, in the first election cycle. I mean, it's the lowest uh, pro-retention vote for the Supreme Court that has ever been recorded in state history. That sent a message. And for the next couple of cycles, that did make a difference. Uh, a number of people, a number of people pointed out that you know the judges seem to be in a lot better behavior in the next couple of cycles because that message had been sent. Okay, okay. So if nothing else, I think that's very worthwhile to do to remind the judges that hey, you are accountable. You can be voted out of office, and and even if they're not, there is that message that well, you know, it could happen. Somebody's and, paying attention. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Hey, Matt Arnold, um, does your schedule allow for you to stay uh, through call-ins up to the top of the hour, or, or what does your day look like? Sure, I can do that. Um, if you're ready to go go to break now, I can I can come back after the break and and uh, 
Perfect. Let's do that because the phone lines are already light, uh, lighting up, Matt Arnold. So why don't we go to break? I'm talking with Matt Arnold. He was founder of uh, Clear the Bench. We're talking about the judges. And uh, give us a call, 303-477-5600. 303-477-5600. The phone lines look like they're close to full. So be sure and uh, continue to try. We're going to go to break. We'll be right back with Matt Arnold and your calls. Inflation is rocking our boats, especially for individuals on fixed incomes. If you are 62 years or older, mortgage specialist with Polygon Financial Group, Lauren Levy, can help you navigate this inflation squeeze with a reverse mortgage. Additionally, if you are considering buying a new home, refinancing your existing home, or consolidating high interest debt, it's not too late to lock in an interest rate before interest rates increase again. Don't wait. Kim Munson recommends you call Lauren Levy today at 303-880-8881 for a no-cost consultation. That's Lauren Levy at 303-880-8881. Every family needs a healthcare team that has your child's best interest as the priority, and Roots Medical is proud to offer exactly that. At Roots Medical, we strive to empower and educate both parent and child about the importance of gut health, how to implement healthy changes in the home, and of course, all of the benefits that come with a fully optimized immune system. Same day and sickness appointments are available and easy to schedule. For more information, visit rootsmedical.net. That's R O O T S medical.net. Roots Medical, getting to the root of your healthcare concerns. The ability to protect and defend yourself is your right. Having the knowledge and skills to protect yourself the correct and safe way is essential. At Franktown Firearms, they will equip you with both the tools and the skills. The team at Franktown wants you to learn how to build your confidence and improve your skills with the help of their trained experts. They will take the time to make sure you choose the right gun for you and teach you the necessary skills to carry it safely and securely. This holiday season, consider giving your loved one a firearm training course at Franktown Firearms. They offer one-on-one training or group classes, depending on your comfort level and skill. You will find they are fully stocked with guns and ammunition at or below MSRP. You can be assured that you are providing a gift that will truly keep on giving and let your loved ones exercise their freedoms and rights safely and confidently. Visit klzradio.com slash franktown today to give the gift of freedom. That's klzradio.com slash franktown. Franktown Firearms, where friends are made. It's it is Friday. Welcome back to the Kim Munson Show. I'm Kim Munson. Be sure and check out our website. That is Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N dot com. Sign up for our weekly newsletter there. And you can email me at Kim at Kim dot com as well. Thank you to all of you who support us. We're an independent voice. We search for truth and clarity by looking at these issues through the lens of freedom versus force, force versus freedom. If something's a good idea, you should not have to force people to do it. Check out my website for our voter's guide. Uh, this is the last weekend. We hope it's a great tool for you as you are filling out your ballot regarding uh, the issues on your ballot. And of course, we're talking with Matt Arnold, uh, founder of Clear the Bench, regarding uh, the judges. A lot of great information. Our first caller is Tina Francone, and she is a former director um, on the RTD board, as well as a former Jefferson County commissioner. Uh, Tina Francone, what is on your radar? Well, good morning, everyone. And good morning, Matt. It's nice to hear from you. Um, and, you know, and thank you for all the work that you've been doing on, with Clear the Bench. That it was such a valuable resource for, uh, for people when nobody knows about the judges. 
So, but the reason I called this morning is because I do sit on the first judicial performance commission, um, and um, what I think a lot of people don't understand when they see their blue book is that um, those folks that are appointed, um, I was uh, appointed initially by um, the majority leader, um, uh, sorry, minority leader Patrick Neville of the House, and then later. Um, reappointed uh, by Hugh McKean, who just recently passed. Um, but this Judicial Performance Commission is made up of attorneys and non-attorneys um, of both parties and uh, by district um, or by the area that you live in. And part of our charge every year is to look at the justice, judges that are up for retention and, uh, and evaluate them and make a recommendation whether they should be retained or not. And that's that is a process. I know people don't think that you know that that there's any thought that goes into this, but actually we do spend quite a lot of time um, reviewing survey surveys that are given out um, to evaluate the judges. Um, we interview each judge. Uh, we interview the um, the public defender's office and the district attorney's office as well as the chief judge. And then we also sit in uh, court and do observation of the judges to, you know, go through the list and, and make a determination and, and do a write-up that's contained in your blue book uh, as to whether or not these judges should be retained or not. And I don't know how it works on the other judicial districts. Um, the first judicial district um, is Jefferson County and Gilpin Counties. Um, but it is a, a rather um, collegiate type of evaluation, um, and it, it does, I think, produce a good product. Um, part of the problem with that process is, though, is that even though you have a commission that makes a recommendation, the bottom line is, is you know, it's not like we can fire them, right? These judges are elected. We can make a recommendation as to whether or not to retain, but that ultimate responsibility lies with the voters to determine whether or not these judges should be retained or not. Okay, well, Tina Francone, I do appreciate you uh, describing the process, and Terry Goon, um, both of you, I, I so highly respect, and I thank you for stepping forward to spend your, your time on that. And so thank you for sharing that process there, Tina. Um, Matt, we've got other people on the line. Is there any comment that you'd like to make, make regarding uh, Tina's comments? Whoops, maybe he maybe he's not there right now. So let, let's, uh, uh, we'll ask sorry, him. Yeah, sorry, I was on mute. Okay. Um, yeah, so first off, hi, Tina. Um, Tina and I go back a ways, and you know, I, I've known and respected Tina for, for quite a few years. Um, and I appreciate the fact that she has pitched in and, and uh, participated in the um, First District Judicial Performance Review Commission. I would, I would dispute the fact that what the product, what the project of that process is of any real utility. Though. I mean, I, I get it. People do put in a lot of work. And I do think that there, you know, there is very earnest effort made to try to evaluate the judges. The problem is the output of that doesn't really give you any substantive uh, rationale for making a decision. I mean, the current system doesn't even make a recommendation. They did away with that, in, in part, gave a criticism of the fact that 
we shouldn't have uh, appointing commissions telling people how to vote. But the output now is meets standards or, or doesn't meet standards. The problem is right now we have a system where everybody meets the standards. Everybody gets a uh, ribbon, Matt. <laughs> everyone is Lake Wobegon above, above average, and that does not provide any way to distinguish between the good, which are the bad, and the ugly. Okay. No, that, I was just thinking, so everybody gets a ribbon, Matt. So, <laughs> uh, Let's go over to Tom in Fort Collins. Tom in Fort Collins, what's on your radar? Good morning, Kim. Uh, with regard to the judges, uh, we've had a very simple uh, principle in our home. When in doubt, vote them out. And uh, what I'd like to do is go to uh, talk a little bit about PPP, the private uh, uh, partnership, uh, private-public partnership. Uh, what that does, it privatizes the profits and socializes the losses. So the public, the taxpayer, gets to pay for the losses. And we've got a really good uh, example of that with a bound solar up here in Fort Collins. Our, our uh, resident philanthropist, uh, Pat Stryker, uh, was able to get a $400 million uh, government loan right before they declared bankruptcy in 2012. And then the Bound Solar left uh, uh, caustic chemicals there in their Longmont facility, costing the uh, uh, taxpayer another $2.2 million. So, you know, like I said, up here in Strikerville, they... Um, uh, she's known as this wonderful philanthropist, but I would uh, suggest that it's very easy to be a philanthropist on somebody else's money. <laughs> uh, yes, it is. Uh, and uh, Maggie Thatcher, you know, I'm doing Maggie Thatcher quotes today, and she said the problem with socialism is uh, eventually you run out of other people's money. Tom in Fort Collins, thank you. Uh, and I'd seen something similar um, and I when I was on city council, and it was regarding rural broadband and this attorney that's been pushing pushing this these broadband questions. He was very active during the Obama administration, and we didn't hear much from him. And he's back out there talking to municipalities, trying to get them talked into putting broadband on the uh, on the ballot. So, Tom and Fort Collins, anything else? Yeah, you need to follow the money. It's just like this, um, um, the, uh, the uh, oh darn it, the liquor deal. Who's going to, why would they put $18 million into getting this bill passed. You're not telling me, you're not going to tell me that they are a philanthropist. They're going to get something out of it. So follow the money, think it through before you vote. Uh, good point on that, Tom in Fort Collins. Thank you. Uh, and BK in Larimer County, what is on your radar? I jumped over there a little too quickly. BK in Larimer uh, County, hold on, Steve will get us lined around here. Uh, Matt, well, oh, hi. Okay, BK, go ahead. I'm wondering if you can sue a judge in Colorado in an official or uh, individual capacity, and if that judge is retired or whatever, is it is it possible to do that? Oh boy, interesting no. question, Matt. Go ahead. So, so judges have immunity. Um, what what you can't so you cannot sue them. Uh, what you can do if a judge has violated. Um, you know the rules or violated the law. You can you can file a complaint with the Judicial Discipline Commission, and um, I don't have the uh, the link to that off the top of my head. But you can probably either uh, you know search online for that. It's Colorado Judicial Discipline, or on the Code of the Bench Colorado.org website. There are also 
a link, uh, a list of pages that are references and, and links to those on on the website under the resources page. So that that's all you know. I haven't really done much with the CodeBenchColorado.org uh, website in in years, but those references and resources are, are still there and are still useful. So if nothing else, that's a place to start looking. Okay, interesting question, BK in uh, Larimer County. Thank you so much. So, Matt, I, I've just been thinking a lot about the timeline. 1966, regarding uh, changing this in Colorado, it was an amendment to the Constitution. 67, abortion was um, legalized in Colorado, which was before 1973, Roe v. Wade. And I'm like, what was happening in the 60s in, in Colorado? And so I quickly took a look. Cloward and Pliven, who were very in, involved with the Clintons and, and uh, really kind of pushing towards a socialist agenda. And then Saul Alinsky, he was active during that time. Any thoughts about what was happening in the 60s here in Colorado? Of course, it was a time of great upheaval. What, what's your thoughts? Well, what's the old joke? If you're old enough, to, if, you, if you remember the 60s, you, you weren't there. Um, we, uh, I, you know, I wasn't around uh, for the vote in Colorado in 1966, um, but um, at least I wasn't in Colorado. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's a time of great up, upheaval in the nation, obviously. Um, you know, the whole, the whole Woodstock generation and, and everything else. And it was, it was quite a bit of, of change that was being pushed. And, and the long march through the institutions, I mean, this is something that the left has, has mastered and has applied. And we, we've seen this very steady and long-term erosion and the, and the capture of institutions mm-hmm, by the left mm-hmm, mm-hmm. all across the board. And, and it's a very... Uh, you know, it's a it, it's a purposive um, thing. It, it's not an accident. I mean, this is a no. strategy. It goes back to you know Antonio Gramsci and and the Frankfurter School. You know, look look up those those things and and you know learn about Clara Piven is another you know good example here in, in uh, the United States. Um, you know, the the uh, Rules for Radicals guy, Alinsky, Saul Alinsky. These are all people that were deliberately looking to transform America by taking over the institutions. And they attacked the institutions that, that seem to be weak or, or uh, susceptible to takeover. And the judiciary and the legal establishment was one. Um, certainly the ed- education establishment was, was the major one. And, and the media establishment. So you saw you know, each of these three establishments that, that I've talked about for years in Colorado have been taken over by the left, and there are you know a few ex- uh, exceptions here and there. But by and large, you know those those three establishments are are left leaning, and have been very dominant. Well, and uh, and th- th- moving all of this to uh, to unelected, unaccountable bureaucracies or commissions. This has been going on for a long time. Matt Arnold, thank yes. you so much it's for the making growth of the of the uh, of the bureaucratic state, the administrative state, and that I think is probably the greatest challenge facing us in America today is is dismantling that to the extent we can. And that's why this election is so important. Matt Arnold, thank you so much for making time for us today. I greatly appreciate it. You bet. Have a great day. Okay. And Maggie Thatcher said, you don't win by just being against things. You only win by being for things and making your message perfectly clear. So my friends today, be grateful, read great books, think good thoughts, listen to beautiful music, 
communicate and listen well, live honestly and authentically, strive for high ideals, and like Superman, stand for truth, justice, and the American way. My friends, you are not alone. God bless you, and God bless America. And I don't want-